Welcome to Passion Groove. This is a podcast for all you football and music lovers out there. Enough about us, I'm more concerned about you. You've got this far and you're still sat there doing nothing. Come on, get yourself involved. This podcast is sponsored by Beer52. There's a whole world of craft beer to be discovered out there and the team at Beer52 are helping you to taste them all with their monthly subscription. This subscription allows you to choose from a box of all light beers or a mixed style box. This also includes a tasty snack and their famous ferment magazine. All the lads here at Pass and Groove have a subscription with Beer52 and would highly recommend you all to join the adventure into unique craft beers, which also includes some exclusive beers that you can only find at Beer52. To subscribe and for more information, click the link in the podcast description. Cheers, Groovers. Right, so we're back on the airwaves again with another Passing Groove podcast. I'm joined as usual with Hodge. Hello, mate. You're right. And Con. All right, boys. Uh, we've also got another special guest on today. We've got a lad who's built his way up through the non league, recently signed for Geisley, captained the England University team. We've got Liam Tong. How are you, mate? How are you doing, lads? We all okay? Not too yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good. So, Hey, we will we'll start from the, the beginning, mate, um, as we do with everyone. Sort of how did you, you get into football? How did it come about? Uh, it's probably since like say, probably from the ages of four or five years old, going to soccer schools and um, when I was younger, playing for like say local team Hyde United. Um my brother was a goalkeeper. So obviously my dad played to, he thinks it was it was an all right level, but it was crap football, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the local vets league and things like that. He still thinks he's got a bit now, but he, um, yeah, so it just started off like that. And then I signed for Man City when I was eight, nine years old. Um, and then I got to the about age of 12 years old and just turned up to training one day. And I just said to my mum and dad, don't want to get out of the car. Um I just wasn't enjoying my football as much as I thought I would be. Um, so I just went back to, like I say, playing with my mates. And footy's always been around. It's all been around in the family. My brother's played at Oldham. Um, he's been on trial at Ipswich. And he, made, he was a pro. He was in the first team with Bradford. He was like the second-choice keeper for a couple of games. So it's always been a big part of our lives. So I think that, like I say, it's just stemmed all the way through. So, so that that period there at, at City, um, Tungi, what what was that? What was that like? You know, um, as you say, the, was that your first taste of like academy football? I was at Blackburn and Liverpool um, prior to that, like say from a young age, and I got to a point where Liverpool asked me to sign and City asked me to sign, and um, obviously back then you could just train and play with your team. You could go on trial places. It wasn't very concrete as it is now. Um, but the thing is, like I say, with Liverpool, living in Manchester, I was having to leave school early and then sitting in the traffic all the way to Liverpool when I was missing sort of the first half hour of sessions. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't ideal at all. And at the time, City wasn't anything like they are now, shall we say, in terms of the investment in the academy. It was all 
back at Platte Lane. I remember when they got the dome that was at Platte Lane and it was like the best new thing. And it was, um, I enjoyed it. Like say some of the lads I played with, some of the coaches I had, some of the games I played in, it was, I just got to a point where I just wasn't really enjoying it anymore. And I think my mum and dad thought I was maybe joking a bit when I said I didn't want to get out of the car, but for sort of a 12 year old to make that sort of decision, by themselves it was just sort of it wasn't anything to do with the coaches or the players it was just sort of personally I just wanted to go enjoy playing football with my mates again and get that love for it and so that's what I did I had to I signed sort of sat, had to sit with um, people the coaching staff at City and sort of sign myself away from City because obviously they didn't want to get rid of me at the time and I still had sort of back then it was just sort of like a rolling contract where you had like your annual reviews and things like that and they just said look if this is what you want then and to be honest I don't regret it I don't regret it in any any sort of way it's um, probably helped shape who I am today if anything well well, that, that's it right? you know obviously um, the lads that we've had on the on the podcast previously you know their, like, their time in academy was ended short by the club itself so it's quite an interesting you know perspective from yourself that you made the decision at a young age to leave, you know, a big club and make that journey into, into, you know, into back into playing with your mates and then up the the non-league football ladder. Um, so it, it's it's quite a it's quite a different position to be in, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, like I say, it's probably unheard of in quite a lot of senses, especially at that sort of age. And nowadays, you might get it sort of 16 to 17. Obviously, we've seen a lot of that massive rise with, like, say, mental health and kids being released and things like that, but. At that age, I just wanted to enjoy football and it wasn't like I was dead mature and I knew everything and I was dead grown up. I just wanted to go back to playing with my mates on a weekend, enjoying my football and being around that environment where I had that love for the game again. And unfortunately, it wasn't at City, but like I say, I don't regret at all doing it because obviously I sometimes I look back and think, where could I be now? But I wouldn't say I'd regret it. It's just sort of a what if, if anything. Yeah, well, that, that's it. Mate. And then, obviously, once you started enjoying your football after City, where did you sort of then get into that route of non-league football? How did that come about? So, I started playing sort of 14, 15. I was playing for a team called Fletcher Moss. Now, like I say, players like Rashford have played for it. And I, I was going to say, I recognise that name straight away, yeah. I got it was um, I got spotted playing for another team and they asked me to come down. And the team we had was just an absolute joke, like... I think if you had a look at the sort of 16 lads we had, I don't think we got beat in two years of football. We won the County Cup. We went to maybe the thing called the Umbro Tournament. We were, I remember playing a team in the final. They were a Cypriot team and they were three years above our age group and we beat them 1-0. I remember, I, spoke, I, I remember clearing it on the halfway line and the wind took it over the keeper in the last minute. Still to this day, still to this day I sort of claim that I meant it, but like I say, it was um, that was probably the start, and then I uh, went on trial with Burnley and Oldham, um, and I was on a six-weeker. They were called six-week trials, but like, I don't know if they still do now. But it was like a six-week trial, and I broke one of my knees in year six playing on a Friday night for the league team. Slid into a goalpost. Guy went round the keeper, and I tried stopping the ball, and it was absolutely. I just got into the um, got into the post. Then on the Saturday, I played for my proper team, um, not knowing it was broke. And then on the Sunday, my brother was playing in Carlisle, um, got kicked in the face. And I sort of 
took me took him to hospital because he had memory loss. He didn't have a clue who anyone was, what had happened. Yeah. And while we were at Liverpool, yeah. I just said, Mum, can I get my knee checked out? And I got admitted to hospital and was in plaster from hip to toe uh, for about three months. Fucking hell. Did the same about three or four years later. So the first time round, I did one of my GCSEs in, it was funny really, one of my close mates, his mum had to come to the hospital and I got a part of the ward sectioned off and she had to come and sit with me while I did my GCSEs in hospital and it was a bit weird really because <laughs> I'm, I'm sat in like Tameside Hospital, obviously I'm, like, I've had cameras up my head, like the keel surgeries to see if I needed pins or anything like that, but luckily I didn't. Um, I found it bizarre, like say it was one of my mates' mum who was the teacher at my school, but the fact that she was putting up the no mobile phone signs and you know, like, <laughs> you used to have to write that code on your GCSEs and stuff on the front of the paper. And I was thinking, what is going on here? I didn't have any chance to revise, but luckily it came out on top. But that's what I mean. I felt a bit probably unlucky with that because I never went back to my trial. And then sort of when I got to about 15, 16, I signed for um, it was just a local team, Stockport Georgians. So they played in like the Youth Alliance League, obviously, which is still running now. Um, we weren't in like the top one, like you say, there's a few decent teams in the top level. We started off in the first, I think it was the first division. So you were playing teams like Averton Coles. Um, Is that the Northwest Youth Alliance that time of year? Yeah, Northwest, I think that's what it's called, yeah. the Northwest Youth Alliance. So we did really well because, like I say, I was only 15, 16 at the time. So it was like an under 18s league. We had a really good team. It was um, a very close team, to be fair. And then as still somebody who I speak to this day, um, AD, the reserve team manager there, sort of threw me into the reserve, sort of 16 years old, 17 years old. What was that like there? Sort of, do you start to play against, obviously, open aids then? Yeah, it was probably like you say, that I, really, I still remember, like you say, first turning up in that changing room, you're with a load of blokes. Um, probably not, it's a bit different. Day playing at junior level, some of the conversations that are probably being had in the changing room and things like that. But <laughs> like you say, I mean, for that, for the reserve team, um, it was probably the best thing I did. And like I say, the standard of football, it was the, you were in the Manchester Prem, the first team, so the reserves were in sort of like the first division. But like you say, you turn up and team see a 16 year old and you're getting booted, you're getting elbowed, you're getting scrapped with. It was just, a learning curve but I think with most people nowadays especially young lads at academies I think going out on loan and getting that experience is probably what is needed because when they get to that 18 19 year old it just helps them massively in that physical aspect of the game I think Yeah well we've we've, we've, we've had a few guests on that have said the same you know about about that um the taste of men's football at an early age and it can be good for people, you know, where uh, it can kick on. And obviously with your career so far, it seems to have seems to have uh, seems to have done you good. So from from that uh, reserves with Stockport Georgians, where did you move on to then? So I was like I say I was playing really well. Um I was I finished off the season, we won the cup final for the reserves. It was at funny enough, it was at Hyde United. Um Last minute of the game against Ducky Town, I never forget it. it was, I've got a video of it saved on my phone. It's um, <laughs> a 30 yard free kick into the top bin. I was just, it was all overwhelming to be honest. And then <laughs> at the time, I was playing cricket for my local team. So, in, obviously, where I live in Hattersley, we have a local cricket club, Mottram. Um, and we were close to winning the league. And at the time, one of my mates, his dad was the manager at Cheadle Town in the Northwest Counties. 
and he just sort of said, look, when your season finishes, um, I want you to come and like play for us. Um, and obviously it was a step up. It was probably the first taste of getting a bit of money on the sort of for playing football. Obviously, so there was perks with that. But at the time, I just didn't want to leave the cricket season because it was the first time the club had been sort of a stage where we could have won the league. So that's how it came about. And then I sort of just kicked on really with Cheadle. I think the manager, Terry Inks, he was the assistant when Glossop went to Wembley. Um, he's at Abbey A now. He just took me in. Um, and I really excelled there. I just, I think in my second season, got beat in the playoff semi-final off Barnton. Um, but I scored, I think I scored 24 goals in 20 games. Um, Fucking hell. A really good season, and it was gutting, really. I'll never forget it. Uh, manager at Widnes now, Kev Towie. He'd, um, he'd had about three or four weeks out, and we played Barton in the semi-final. And that obviously, he was a very good player, and at that level, he was just always scoring goals. He was always in the top four, sort of top goal scorers. And we went 1-0 up, I scored, and I thought, oh, my God, we're going to the playoff final. And then Kev Towie came on for the first time in four weeks and decided to put three in the onion bag, so... <laughs> just a dream there, and you could just tell his experience of playing at a high level just shown, and it was gutting really. But I think from there, I dual signed with Mosley, but that didn't really go anywhere. It was more of me just getting involved with the training and seeing that sort of level of football. Um, I was on the bench for a game at Boxing Day, but it was more really as cover because I was still sort of fresh to the league, but. Like I said, I had a few offers while I was at Cheadle, but because, I, like I said, I was still enjoying my football, I was just really excelling in the position they were in. The club itself was great. I mean, a few times it went a bit peak tongue. Um, we supposed to be, so I don't know if many people know it, but Cheadle are one of the, the older record for the most tours around the world. Um, they've got something like 96 tours where they've played football in different countries. Um, and we were supposed to be going to China for two weeks um, all paid for Chinese fella came over, sat us down in the clubhouse, told us everything that was going to happen, we were playing the Chinese national team on their version of Sky Sports uh, Really? The hotel <laughs> out, man. The, four game, the four games would have took us to 100 um, I think they played in some. they played in some mad places there was like Jamaica's second division or I think they've even played a game in Haiti or something daft like that. So it was like a massive and, and it just sort of started to go sort of pizza. And we sort of had to, I mean, some, everyone put like money in for the visas and things like that. And then I think it was three days before we were supposed to go. There was a bank that was um, funding part of the deal, which collapsed, which then meant all the funding went and then which automatically meant that the trip to China that was happening in four days' time was non-existent, so that was probably the only downfall, like I say, but it was um, everyone was buzzing for it, like I say, playing against China's national team on their version of Sky Sports. I think the stadium was like 70,000 thinking, what is going on here? They were aiming high there, weren't they? They just didn't bother with any other, any other Chinese teams, they just went straight to the national team. That's what I mean, I was just thinking... <laughs> Right here and there, like I say, I can't remember the name of the bank. It was a bank sort of around Manchester, Stockport area that were helping fund and support it. Um, and they went bump, went bust, and then, like I say, bye bye the trip. And 
it was a bit disheartening really because all the gear was ordered. We had all the personalised like trackies <laughs> ready. And yeah. So, 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 taking orders for all my mates, bringing on the snide gear for people like Admin Crossy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think Crossy's got enough of that, definitely. Some of that last gear, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't look like a hooligan, then he tries and looks like a model. That's how. That's a one way. <laughs> so, around this time with with your footy there, um, Tony, what years was it that you? This is we're getting onto something different here, but like intertwining with it. When was your move up to JMU? Like, what what year did you go up there? So after I left Cheadle, it was in the sub. It was the year so Staley Bridge got relegated from the Conference North, and they were go. They went obviously into the Evo Stick Prem, and in the summer I got asked to go in and train. Um, to, sort of sorry, it was towards the back end of when they got relegated. I was training with them, and then in the summer I did really well, and he asked me to sign. It was Steve Burr, the manager at the time. Um, I obviously I just I said to him straight away. I said, look, where I was living at I was living um sort of right next to Lime Street. Grand Central. Um, yeah. To me, manager, I had a look at like say trying to park your car in Liverpool City Centre is absolutely impossible. Yeah. Um, being a student as well, the cost of trying to leave a car on a weekly and monthly basis um, just wasn't feasible. So I spoke to the manager and he said, "Look, you can come back twice if you really want, but I want you here every Tuesday." So I started making. I saw I was I perfectly planned it. I got myself one of those rail cards. I getting the train back for training. Um, luckily, at that time, there was a few people sort of uh, coming this way. So if I ever needed to jump in with people, and then on a weekend I was coming home on a Friday and then staying till sort of like Sunday afternoon. But how, how did you sort of manage, like, sorry, how did you manage, like, sort of getting a degree and uh, right, sort of playing honest, decent level football? Hard because. But I suppose in my first year with me being there, I didn't. I mean, it lasted probably about twelve games. I was, I think, I was in the squad twice, and I sort of had a conversation with the manager just to say, "Look, I'm, I'm young. I want to get experience playing. And at the moment, I'm travelling around every single ground, not even getting in the squad. I think I did. I think we went to Whitby on a Tuesday night, and obviously, some manager had, had the rule of taking eighteen, which is understandable. But um, I'd sort of get there and then he'd not name me in the squad. So it was like, go out and do your own running and sit in the stands. And on a Tuesday night in Whitby, not ideal when it's freezing and you want to be playing, especially being young and hungry to play. So it sort of came about. At that time, I sort of became, like say, close mates with Crossy and Adam through uni footy. Um, and then Tommy Lawson, who was at Marine at the time, sort of said he was interested in me. So I sort of had the conversation with the gaffer at Staley Bridge and just said, look, I need to get experience and I want to be playing. Um, and it worked out well, really, because, like I say, the travelling then was sort of nullified and I was sort of getting more game time and not having to leave, really leave Liverpool, to be honest. So it worked out better. And I think the gaffer at Bridge at the time, Steve, he could, he could see why I did it. And it was more beneficial because, like you say, you want to be playing football. You don't want to just be sat on a bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so your time at really in there, Tongi, how, how did that go? Because obviously we've we've they've they've been in the news quite a lot recently with the FA Cup run, but we, we've only really heard you can only hear good things about them. To be honest, what was that like? The amount of people that have asked or said that could have been you on foot on like Kelly, and I just go <laughs> if I, in four years' time they would have been playing Tottenham Hotspur then, 
I would have been still there. Do you know what I mean? But like I said, absolutely, it was absolutely class. Some of the uh, still the, the team we had. Obviously, we had Tommy Lawson as the manager, and we had Sully Tony Sullivan, who's the assistant, who is just one of the absolute farmiest players and um, people I've ever met in football. Some of the stuff I've seen and heard, <laughs> even begin, take it to the grave. Some of it, you know what I mean? But it's um. It was class, to be honest. Like I said, I went in there and I was probably my own worst enemy. Everyone always says, like, obviously you played a load of different positions, but I was probably my own worst enemy because I started off at centre-half, did really well. And then people who were injured sort of came back and then I got moved to sort of left wing. And I was just, I'm the sort of person where if I was playing and I was doing a job and it was helping the team, then I'd do it. And like I say, obviously it was a bird position, but... I was sort of the most narrowest left winger. hasn't hasn't got a Cruyff turning him. Doesn't have a step over. Can't overlap. You know what I mean? I was just like, I might as well have been stood and holding hands with, like you say, the lads who are playing centre mid. But I enjoyed it. The club itself, the fans, obviously the area it's in of like sort of the enclosed ground and things like that. And I still speak to most of them today. It was nice. We played them this year in the FA Trophy. Um, so it was nice to see some of the committee members and. Some of them still speak to me on things like Twitter and WhatsApp and stuff like that. So it was a shame. I, I left on sort of personal reasons because I wanted to go and play football in a preferred position. And I think that was mutually accepted. It wasn't anything to do with sort of the club or anything like that. It was just sort of, I, they had people there already where I wasn't fit into playing that position. So obviously it was about time that I looked elsewhere. Is it is it difficult? Like you know, like you say, when you you're not maybe not like playing where you want, but enjoying it with the lads and having a good team around you. Is it difficult to then make that? You know, you've got to be selfish and footy, but you know, to make that decision to to go and play footy somewhere else and start afresh, is that like quite a difficult thing to to get into your head? Yeah, you've got a bit. Like I say, it's footy's a mad one. I always say because at that time. I was just happy to go and play football. I'd been sat in it playing for a team where I'd not even been in the squad to now playing sort of the most narrow left winger in the Evo shit. It was like, I'm not, I wasn't asked, I couldn't give a fuck. I was playing football, do you know what I mean? I was on the pitch. And um, it was just like, say, it was a big decision, really. But sometimes you just think, Pete, you don't want to sort of get that image of, oh, you're hopping from club to club and things like that. And I think, like, say, for me, I've probably at sort of Evo stick and higher. You've had, I've had Bridge, Hyde and Marine, really. So I've not really chased other, chased clubs in that sense. I've sort of left for personal reasons. But Marine was top. The experiences I had there and some of the games we played, I don't know. I think Adam's probably spoke about them. Um, say the FA Trophy run. The actual run itself and how we were underdogs and obviously we were struggling in the league and things like that. But we beat FC United all the away and then going to Dover and that was it honestly that place is on the moon the fact that you some trip that in it the, <laughs> I think we left on a Friday at like half ten in the morning and with all the stops and things like that I think we got there at about seven o'clock at night and you just think what is going on the fact that you can see France from the ground is just disturbing <laughs> can you <laughs> France but I'm four and a half, five hours away from my house, do you know what I mean? But, like, last, um, I don't know if I'd mentioned that even though we got beat, obviously it was, we went down to 10 men, um, Billy got sent off. And to be fair to Billy, he was distraught with uh, 
he was absolutely devastated. It was one of them where you could see why the ref had done it, but especially at that level, when players get round the ref, the refs obviously sometimes can be convinced that it was a red. But I think the amount of ale that was consumed on the way home from Dover <laughs> was... Well, it summed it up. Me, um, the lad called Muzzer, James Murray, me, Adam and Muzzer ended up in the beach in Birkenhead. Um, <laughs> I, I, Adam stumbled out about half five in the morning. Just <laughs> after, was how, how have you gone all the way to Dover and the best night out you could find was in Birkenhead? Honestly, it was everyone that was obviously gutted and then as sort of like half hour increments disappeared and after every stop, you could sort of see lads getting off, getting themselves a KFC, but coming back on, coming back on the coach with a crate of beer, and you're thinking, <laughs> like I say, after a bit, you just sort of think, we've had a good run, and we were unfortunate. We, to be fair, even with 10 men, we had chances, and probably could have gone on to get a draw, and I don't even know if it was extra, went to extra time or a replay, but yeah, uh, at the time, we had Phil Baker, who signed for MTNS, and he drove to Marine's ground, so he wasn't actually drinking. To be fair to him, fair play. I still probably owe him for that now, but I, I never forget that we drove to my accommodation in town. I threw my bag in, got changed. Um, then we drove to Adams on the Wirral near like Prenton, then drove to Muzzers, and then somehow just pulled up outside the beach. <laughs> obviously, that place do not get lively till about half three in the morning anyway, so we were probably. If I'm eating Adam, I've definitely had the beach bug. You know what I mean? For people that know what that is, just like <laughs> bank holidays in there coming out at seven in the morning when it's daylight and things like that, and you just think, <laughs> yeah, it was like saying, like, got a bit off topic, but the for, for the experience that I had at Marine, that again, that helped me because obviously it was the first time playing that level, and probably playing different positions probably helped me um, in many ways. Like I say, it just helped me adapt my game. And, improve who I was as a player. Do you reckon that sort of hindered you? You sort of mentioned it before in that sort of sense that you, if you just stuck to a one position, perhaps, you might you know really been able to sort of nail it down or do you reckon it, it helped? Oh, massively. I think, like I said, I was probably my own worst enemy because I was doing well. Um, I think, like we said, we played a game against Buxton at home and I played left back and I got an assist and things like that and I'm thinking... I'm killing myself here because I'm doing well. Do you know what I mean? But you do what you want. You do what's right for the team. That's the main. Like sort mm. of the main. You might be yeah. other lads out there that might turn around and say, "Look, if I'm not playing my position, I don't want to play at all." But we all play footy, and like I say, football is a short career for most people anyway. So you want to spend as much time as as you can playing. So for me, it was just sort of get on with it. As long as I was on the pitch playing football, that didn't really matter to me. Mm, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, so then, obviously, from Marine, then it's 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 almost like you've you've you started your career footy wise at Hyde, and then you've you've made your way all the way back to get into the first team. How did that come about? You know, back to your well, you only live a couple of minutes away from the ground, don't you? So your hometown club type of thing. Yeah, the amount of shit I've had probably over the past two years between Stanley Bridge and Hyde has probably been <laughs> more than anyone. So, like, say I left Marine, went to Bridge, and. At the time, it was about the Christmas time, Hyde put seven days in on me. 
Um, but at the time, Stay in the Bridge were, we were sort of outside the playoffs and I just said to Hyde, look, I don't want to leave, we're in a really good position. Um, hold behold, we, I think we lost about 15 games in a row and had to win on the last day to stay up. It was a horrible run, we were just in a bad rut, we just couldn't buy a win. We went to Scarborough and 1-2-1, we conceded in the 89th, I think we scored in the 91st and 93rd. Um, and after that, 14 or 15 games that we didn't win. Um, and we just kept dropping and dropping. And then on the last day, we had to beat Grantham and for the results to go our way to stay up. And obviously, Taylor Bridge being a club that have played in, like you say, the conference and things like that, for the club to even go down further, it was massive. So uh, we won 1 0, to be fair. And then, sort of the back end of that year, um, when the season had finished, the gaffer at Hyde, um, Dave McGurk, ran me in the summer and just said, look, I see you as a centre-mid, I want you playing centre-mid. And I think it was a no-brainer. I think, like you say, you get, you get a bit of shit off fans and things like that, saying like you've gone to a rival club and stuff. But I think if you were to sit down and say to them, would you go to somewhere, to a different job where you prefer it and you enjoy it or, and you play in your position and you might financially be better off from it, would they do it? And most everyone would say yes. So, And I've always had that open conversation with fans, even if, Obviously, because there's always rumours and things, always oh, gone for money and he's gone for that and things like that. But I'm, I just say to him, look, if someone's asking you to go and do a job in your preferred position and you're happier and it doesn't affect you, then you'd go and do it. And there's never really an answer to that. And like I say, everyone just sort of turns around and says, you're banged on, do you know what I mean? So I say, spent two years at Hyde and obviously just signed for guys in now, but Hyde, just like I say, the setup, the manager. Um, the time I've had there, that's probably really propelled and excelled my sort of career in terms of the amount of goals and sort of the recognition I've been getting really over the past two seasons. It's hard to like it. They're not a bad club, are they? You were in the, you're in the conference prem a few years yeah, back, weren't you? Been in the conference years ago and then obviously we got the AstroTurf pitch and things like that and it's very much a community club and um, they've, they came up to the Evo Stick prem a few years ago and They've been there ever since and I sort of think last year we were quite a very young team. I think there was one game where I sat there and just worked out that I think the average age was 19, 20. Um, Fucking hell. Jesus. We had a few lads on loan and then whereas this year we've had, we've got a quite, we've, the gaffer's brought in a few experienced players and things like that. It was just, it was just a shame really last year sort of finished how it did because of COVID and things like that because personally I was doing well. Um, and as a club, we were on a bit of a run and things like that. And it's just obviously got him when you get to that point because you always think, what if? But I think this season, I just wanted to show a bit of loyalty to Hyde. And sort of, like, I think Apple would openly admit that the conversations they had with other managers and things like that, I could have left. But I wanted to show that loyalty. But I also wanted to prove to myself that by doing it at this level, you earn the right to potentially go higher. And I think that's paid off with... The, um, the performances I've put in for Hyde over the two seasons. Yeah, well, I mean, stats-wise, I've, I've had a look and you've, you, you know, you've been banging them in. Is, is that always been part of your game? Like, I've always, you know what, I get called hammerfoot, concrete boot, the lot like, <laughs> got, got, like chicken legs, but I don't know what it is. I think it's just from... Are they, are they compliments or, or is that praise? I think people are, I don't know. I try and take it as praise, but I think people are just slagging me off. <laughs> Like say, I'm known for sort of being able to kick a ball dead far and dead hard, and most of my goals 
uh, come from outside the box. I always say I've got a bit of a curse for trying to score inside the box, but <laughs> it's, it's not your work on. They have to train and stuff and hide. The gaffer was really persistent with me getting into positions around the box to score and working on set pieces and working on sort of getting those goals and assists because ultimately, as a player, if people are looking at you, then they look at sort of your stats and things like that. And the gaffer was quite... Um, persistent with that and it's paid off like I say the amount of goals I scored I, I can't even think I think I can think of FC United maybe the where I scored inside the box and uh, yeah I've, 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 I've watched that before actually um, quite, quite a that was a poacher's finish that if anything <laughs> honestly it's the first time I've ever played a 1-2 overlap someone and slid the ball under the keeper and <laughs> I think there's about 2,000 I think there's about 2,200 people there at the game and close to the start of the year we just beat South Shields away we were going to the next favourite team I think that was the team where we had about I think the age was 20 years old or something daft like that um, we missed a pen but obviously we won 2-1 and I, I did like a goal line clearance I don't know if you've seen it as we've seen you know what, we, yeah. we were going yeah. we to we were going to we were going to bring that up actually that was that's absolutely fucking outrageous <laughs> I remember like looking at it after at the time you just sort of instinct and you just sort of get yourself in a position but looking back I think I've never got that eye off the ground, and I think I need, <laughs> I think I need a hip replacement from it because uh, <laughs> they, they put a picture up on the Eyes Club shop of it. To be fair, so I think um, when they when they decide to change that, then I'll be taking it home and putting it above the bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, I mean I, I, again, just looking through just looking through highlights on on YouTube through Hyde, you, you you're quite the free kick specialist as well, mate. And I think, like I say, from a young age as well, I've always been someone that's worked on them. And like you say, you, from being a kid and you watch people like Beckham and Zidane and Ronaldo and like Perlo and stuff like that, as a kid growing up, you just think, that, yeah, you put that feeling of putting one in the top corner and things like that. And like I say, some people give me sticks saying I just hit it a note, but to me, if it goes in the top corner and it goes in the back of the net, it doesn't really matter. So it's a lot of work on. And I think being with a gaffer at Hyde, uh, consistently worked on, which is probably why it got better. And I think Vauxhall Motors away last year playing against Crossy, and he just said, "I hope you don't fucking score." And then I remember scoring the free kick, and it's hard when you're playing your mates because you're trying to like we we're just having a convo in midfield. Played against Adam in the FA Trophy, and you you end up finding yourself trying to like talk to him during the game, and you forget where you are sometimes. But I think deep down, Crossy hates it, but. And he'll probably openly admit that that he absolutely hated me for it, but I think it's like <laughs> just something I worked on and just something that I sort of pride myself on trying to do and hopefully I can get better at them. It's just sort of obviously getting that practice in with it. Yeah, uh, of course, mate. Uh, uh, I'll be we having time, Hod. We'll have a quick break there, I think, Nate. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have a quick break and then we'll, we'll get into uh, we'll get into some uh, a bit about uni football, mate. Still having nightmares about <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll um, we'll get that sorted now. Nice fun. No worries, boys. See you in a minute. Our halftime break is proudly sponsored by VintageFootballShirts.com. VintageFootballShirts.com are the market leaders in the sales of rare, original, and vintage football shirts. Their range features shirts from as far back as the 1980s and includes virtually every British domestic team alongside many other worldwide clubs and international sides. Click the link in the description below to grab your favourite vintage shirt today. 
Now let's get back on with the pod. Right, so yeah, we're back after a quick little break. Um, back with Tongi again. Uh, we've gone through, you know, the majority of, of his career so far, but you know, more than recently, he's just signed with a uh, Conference Northside Geisley. Um, how did that come about, mate? Um, I think from last year, there was interest in me. From we had a few lads on from Geisley on loan, um, and the gaffer has a good relationship with their manager, and they know each other through football anyway. So. Um, I think with the current situation with obviously Hyde not playing and obviously the conference north for now is still running, it was um, obviously guys that were interested in it. It doesn't really affect both clubs in terms of me going being like a dual registration. So trained yesterday, trained last Tuesday. <clears throat> and we played Gateshead Saturday, got beaten in the 93rd minute, um, 1-0. But I think for me, it's just like say trying to find if I can do it at that level. Now it's even a more step up. Um, obviously, there's the announcements going around that there's going to be a decision on whether or not that league is going to carry on running. So, I mean, fingers crossed it does, but because obviously it's just a bit of a nightmare with COVID. But like I say, for me personally, it's just about trying to get a few as many games as possible in. And to be honest, I've missed playing footy. I'm sick of going for walks and hikes. And <laughs> felt weird to pack my footy bag again, but... It's just like to say, it's nice to be back playing and it's nice to sort of test yourself at that level. And I think Saturday I played about 85 minutes, um, kept, kept myself ticking over anyway. So I wasn't as bad as I thought I would be in terms of fitness. But like I say, he travelled three hours to Gateshead. Game got moved to five o'clock kickoff as well because of the pitch. Um, and like I say, debut, you get beat 1 0, conceding the 93rd minute, and you get home at half 10 at night on a Saturday. So. Yeah. I mean, I've, dre- I've dreamt about it in more um, in different ways. You know what I mean? I've dreamt about scoring the last. <laughs> five, yeah, box, but <laughs> so, how does um? I, I was going to ask you this before. Uh, how does like dual registration work? Because I've always wondered it when I've when I've when I've been like sort of seen on Twitter with non-league teams and players, you know, on this dual registration. What is like, what is it, basically? Well, I think because, obviously, it's classed as the National League and Evo stick, um, unless you are contracted to a club, um, then it doesn't have to be a loan. It can just be a dual registration where you can sign for both clubs and you can technically play for either club. So quite a few people do it for, like, say, our league and counties where if they're not playing for the team in the Evo stick, because they're not contracted... They can go on loan. Uh, they don't have to go on loan and have to go through the FA and sign a deal. They can just have a completely different registration form. So um, obviously, it becomes a lot more difficult if you're on loan and things like that. But for me, it was fortunate enough being on non-contract and things like that in the situation high. Um, and the gaffer, the gaffer at Hyde Dave, he's, he's probably by far one of the most supportive managers I've had, um, and he's been one of the best to work under. Just for the sheer sort of. Um, trust and honesty that he has um, at no point did he ever say no I don't want you to go and do it or anything like that his first words were go and test yourself you can more than capable of doing it showing what you can do and things like that so it's worked out nicely and like I say hopefully um, there's no bad news come the end of the week and that the league carries on because it would have been the shortest stint in the conference <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> speaking yeah, of speaking of managers there, Songy, um you've got it's Marcus Bignett at Geisley, isn't it, at the moment? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Marcus and Russ, they're like joint joint managers. Um complement each other very well, both very welcoming. Um the se- sessions are not massively different in terms of because of the way they want to play in terms of hides, which is good. Um but like I say, every manager has their different sort of like twist on things. Marcus is very detailed in what he goes into and he's very much um, vocal and he loves these like fine details in sessions. And Russ is another one who talks about the aggression and the fitness and sort of the, the foundations of the football. So they do complement each other well. And anyone that I've ever spoke to about them before I even went said um, how many good ideas they've got. And I think it's proven with um, the they've had people move on from guys to go and play professional football full time so mm. um, really enjoyable like I've only trained twice but being there it's not like a, I, start, I don't feel like that new person um, turning up to training yesterday you're welcome straight away yeah was it ever much of a decision to go there like I presume I presume one of the managers or one of the coaches has got in touch and tried to get you to go there was it Was it pretty much a no brainer yeah I think just because of um like I say, not playing football for ages, it was a no-brainer. I was back playing football, and it was an opportunity to go and play higher. So, um, yeah, for me, like it was like I say, it was a no-brainer. I could go and test myself at a higher level, and I can go and prove maybe why I could even go higher. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? I feel like in football, I've always had that sort of idea that you need to prove yourself at the level you are and earn the right to go up. Um, and I think, like I say, the performances I had at high, it's probably paid off and. Hopefully, touch wood. Um, I don't have a stinker now on Saturday that I've just said that. And... <laughs> Guys, obviously, they're sort of near relegation, but I think the league is that tight. You can win a couple of games and results go your way. The momentum, you can do, it just shifts straight away and you can be up three or four places before you know it. So, mm. yeah. did, you, uh, did you, obviously, you, only said, you mentioned just play on Saturday. You, or... Right, fitness-wise, did you, uh, did you notice much change in the level of football from that game? Think, Is it a step up? Like, I think there isn't a massive difference in terms of, like, you look at it and go, oh, my God, I'm out of my depth. Maybe things like the grounds and the setups, like, say, Gateshead being a team, but the, the ground's, like, 15,000 or something that flat. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking huge, isn't it? Oh, it's the international stadium, isn't it, for the running yeah, track? The race, it's, it's the race like, track around it, hasn't it? Right, it's, like, dead close to Sunderland and things like that, and... I think for me on Saturday it was pretty much an eye opener. Maybe the ball's probably on the floor a lot more, um, and teams don't really play that channel ball and into route like sort of route one with a big target man. I think, but then again, that could be just Gateshead yeah. were very much a footballing team, so um, every team's different. Like say, some teams go with that big striker and pin it and play off him and things like that. But I think the quality of players, obviously in the Evo stick and the Conference North is similar as well. Um, obviously, but in the Conference North, you're going to have the lads who are in the same position as me that want to play as high as possible. And they had, again, lads who have come out of the Football League playing for them and things like that. So mm. you can only get better playing against people that standard anyway. So I feel like at every game you try and improve yourself anyway. So whether it's the Evo Stick or Conference North, I wouldn't say there's a massive difference. Maybe the fitness and the tempo, but it's not massive in terms of you'd notice it do you know what I mean? If you're watching, yeah. if you're 
Yeah, well, obviously we've we've gone through your career there, um, Tungi, and I've been just just on a putting me like a personal thing. It, like starting from how, how how you started, and you've seen to with every club that you've moved to, it's it's been a step up, and it's you know fingers crossed it it continues, mate, because um, it seems to be on an up upward curve. I think you just play as high as you can for as long as you can. So I think for me, it's um, it's a stepping stone, like you said, and hopefully it's towards a successful career in football. Well, that, that's fantastic, mate. Yeah, so, you know, obviously we've been through your career there in your semi-professional football, but obviously you mentioned earlier about um, your time at JMU. Uh, and I've known a few lads that have played there uh, for the uni. Um, I know it's quite the, uh, quite the experience. What was that like coming to Liverpool as a lad from Manchester? I've had every mank swear word, any swear word you can <laughs> think of. Word mank, I can, I can make <laughs> it. Um, I think like say Adam's family, Cross's family, all my mates' families. You know, you, you get it all, mank twat, the lot, and things like you're a mank. But for me, Liverpool was just. The whole uni experience, I always say to like say, my students now that want to go to university, I say to them, it'll be an experience that you'll never forget and you'll build some of the best friendships you'll ever have. At there. Most of the footy lads that I've played with at uni speak to on a daily basis. Um, and that's just sort of how it is. It's very, very close. And I think Liverpool as a city as well, I actually have always said I'd love to probably go back one day and move there. Um the nightlife, you can go in the pub at mon- on a Monday morning at nine o'clock and it'll be absolutely booming, do you know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's just one of those places and I think because of how sort of everything's so close and the social life and things like that, it'd be somewhere 100%, I'd go back in a heartbeat and I don't have a bad word to say about it, really. That's oh, a good yeah, city. I mean, yeah, what probably the best city in the country for for, for me anyway. Um... Close second, I reckon. It's a close second. <laughs> So yeah, how did the uh, obviously being a footy lad yourself? I, I assume you, you get you get into the trials at JMU. How did it, you know, come about getting into the side there? Mad really, because like say when you first year of uni, it's a bit different. Like when you go to college, and you sort of got a couple of hundred students and. You might not know a few people, but at uni, you're talking about thousands of students at your level and your age. Um, at John Moores, we weren't really fortunate enough where we had um, a coach who was paid to coach us. We didn't really have that sort of funding. So in my first year, it was sort of everything was done off the back of ourselves. And you apply for trials, you've got a window of, say, 20 minutes, half an hour to show what you're about. And I started off in the third team. Um, I was I got put in the third team. I did well in the trials, and I got like I say I made it onto the third the third team out of the three teams that we had. Um, and then about a week in, someone left the first team, and the manager had heard about how well I'd played in the trials and how well I'd done in the game for the thirds. And he asked me to go training, and then that was sort of just the catalyst. He'll probably hate me for saying it, but he's called Luke Robbo. He's um he'll love the fact that I've mentioned and name dropped him. But, <laughs> Um, came down to training and like I say the standard from the first team to the third team was like it's exceptional people think that John like uni footy is just a laugh and it's crap footy but some of the teams that we've played and some of the teams and lads that I played with are probably some of the best footballers 
and who are all playing, you've got to remember that some of these lads are still are playing semi-pro football as well. So our first team was, it was frightening really with the quality of players we've got. I mean, these lads that are one that played at Leamington, there's a couple that have played for Whitman. Um, the year before I came, I think the keeper was winning. We had a couple of lads that have been scholared at Blackpool. So you've got a massively mixed bag of lads who, when you put them together, just create a great team. And like I say, that there was nothing better than getting up on a Wednesday, going for a McCoolie's brekkie, and then getting on the coach. <laughs> and like I say, going to an away day. Um, I think we played, we played the best, probably one that I can remember the most is we played UCLan away at their place. And it was at Preston's training ground. Nice pitches. And their, I think their manager had been given a bit of stick out saying that we could only play well on Astra. Um, seven goals later, um, <laughs> really go well. Crossy, funny enough, scored the seventh goal. And he had a habit of not being able to score for uni. So I think I speared him into the net, piled on him, and we were winning 7 It was about a 95th minute. Adam came on, scored two up front. Um, like I say, the quality of players that we had was just... It's frightening, really, and unfortunately, you sort of lose half of those players when people leave in their third year, but um, the following year after we got beaten the playoff, um, we, got, we won our league and we ended up playing Edinburgh. Um, was it Edinburgh? I think it was, yeah, in the playoff, and you put, it was like a two-legged. So we beat them, in, we beat them on pl- penalties at our place at Anfield. Uh, Anfield Community Centre, not the ground, by the way. Don't think anyone do. Don't want to be selling kids the dream that they're going playing at Anfield for John Moore. <laughs> <laughs> then we went to their place. I think we had four or five injured. We had to bring a couple of third and second teamers in. Obviously, we were willing to do the job. We had to travel to Edinburgh. Uh, sorry, no, it weren't Edinburgh. It was Sterling, actually. It was Sterling. Um, we beat them in pens and then the second leg. Uh, I think we were four missing. Then three lads pulled up in the game. And I think it was the, literally the dying moments of extra time. They went and scored. And because their result was better than our result, they went up, if that makes sense. So yeah. you look back and think what could have been. But again, that step up from our division to the sort of the Prem. And you've got teams like Loughborough, Durham, um, Northumbria. The paying cut, you've got lads who are training every day together. They've got sports scholarships. They've got paid qualified coaches who work in academies I think everyone would agree that probably John Moores would have been out of its depth just through the sheer funding of trying to get to Durham on a Wednesday afternoon and asking lads who are doing a dissertation to sort of get it off and things like that but some of the things that we've experienced and like say some of the away days I think some of the lads won't even remember some of the away days and going out after (laughs) it going out in your footy trackie um these all sorts, you know what I mean? The initiations, I mean, I probably, we'll probably get onto that, but I still have nightmares about what Crossy and Adam and a few of the lads did to me. But... I was going to, you know what? Funnily enough, I was going to say, you can't talk about uni footy without talking about the initiations. Now, I know just from my short time over in uni in Liverpool, Crossy told me about um, that you're not actually allowed to call it initiation. You've got to call it like welcome day. So for anyone that I'm still in touch with from John Moore, it's a welcome evening, shall we say. Um, <laughs> there is no such thing as initiations at uni, let's just get that right. <laughs> uh, yeah, was, I missed my first year of initiation. I had a footy match, I can't remember where I was playing. And I just knew straight away that that meant I was going to get it 10 times worse in my second year. So obviously if you miss it in your first year, you're doing it in your second year. 
Um, funny enough, I got paired up with Crossy and Adam, absolute stitch-up number one. Um, and like I say, we, we all got together in one of the lads' uni houses. Um, I got given a lovely three-course meal. Um, it was wheat a bit, a dry wheat a bit with chili flakes and cat paste as for a starter. It's like you get eggs pelted at you for a laugh, flour thrown on you. Um, <laughs> I had this thing like Ed, Edward uh, Edward cider, uh, cider hands, so I had like two two liter bottles of Crofter cider cling film to my hands, but they both had chili flakes in on the lids. And um, so, like, obviously, you're eating like gone off milk and cat paste and dog food, and obviously, you need a swig. And I thought, I'm gonna have to drink this cider. I didn't know that I had chili flakes in, so my mouth was fire. Um, I later found out that two certain individuals had put a laxative in one of the ciders. <laughs> so, when I, got, when I got home, got showered, and got changed, and we ended up in level nine pub in Liverpool. Um, I didn't really have a night out, to be honest, lads. I spent all night with a double vodka lemonade, sat on the bog, shitting out the <laughs> cider, to be honest. But you know what? I wouldn't change the world. And it's probably, it, see, it probably seems to people like, fucking hell, what's going on? It's uni. You're not supposed to be doing stuff like that. But every lad does it. Every lad gets involved. And then the people that follow that are the same. And everyone's experienced it. And it's mad to think that by eating a, a ghost chili in the middle of Seffron Park wearing a diaper can bring you close to people for a whole different... Like, say, not everyone does a sport course, so... And I'm grateful that the most of us still speak to each other. And um, I think the worst one I've seen is one of the lads had... Um, he bought a raw fish and there was no guts in the fish. And he bought a pint of, like, gone-off milk uh, blue cheese filled it and left it outside for about two months. Uh, well. Welcome evening, and uh, people like to drink milk through the fish and stuff like that. And uh, but like I say, like, I went, I had to eat a raw runion like an apple and things like that. And I'm studying a nightclub. I'm studying a nightclub in like Liverpool, stinking of onion, <laughs> chewing gum in my mouth, breath sprayed a lot. I'm in the toilet asking the fella, "Have you got any chewing gums?" He's looking at me, thinking, I've "Just come in." Um, <laughs> we've talked to be fair me and the lads we, I sort of set up a whatsapp group a couple of weeks ago and said like post covid we'll get a big reunion together because it's hard when everyone leaves sort of that university that everyone goes into different ways of life people get full time jobs I was fortunate well, I did another year so I did my teaching degree in my fourth year which sort of meant I could cling on to um, playing football and stuff like that but like I say, it's hard because individuals go different ways and most people go back home. So the lads that you're seeing every day who now live in Birmingham, it becomes increasingly more hard to mm. meet up and stuff like that. Yeah. But the friendships you build and the experiences you have and, the, like I say, the endless amounts of nights out that you have, the, um, the amount of quad vods in woodies and the <laughs> amount of times I've sang in woodies, um, I'm sure... <laughs> I've got to have some sort of award in there because that DJ either hates me or loves me because the amount of time I've, I've got, I pride myself on getting a standing ovation in uh, Woody. <laughs> um, that, that's pretty, that sums up my uni experience with Butch, to be fair. What, what, what was your go to song there? Honestly, I've had an album, me. I had. <laughs> I had um, you, have the, you have the classics, don't you? Like, um, we used to have a John Moore's one that was. Um, 
just can't get enough Depeche Mode. That was like a John yeah. Moore song that we sung at the end of every game. Uh, you had like your Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline, Forever in Blue Jeans. And then I don't know where it came from, but I started singing Shane Ward, That's My Goal. Got <laughs> <laughs> to the stage there, being absolutely bladdered. I was just serenading people in Woody's, like, singing <laughs> to them and getting as many people on the stage. And literally, it got to a point, lads, where I'd go in on a Wednesday with the lads and he'd just look at me and he'd have it queued, ready, knowing that there was <laughs> Never, I don't I can't remember how many asked for it. I think I did it on graduation. Graduation, I'm just sat in there singing Shane Ward, that's my goal. You know what I mean? And that's amazing. I never thought, I never thought I'd get to a point where I'm sat in my room thinking I'd do anything for a quad modern and a little sing song now. But, um, I'm fortunate enough, I've never been upstairs in Woody's. I've never had the privilege of doing that. I've never got to that stage yet, but yeah, um, certainly a lifetime member of the karaoke 100 <laughs> percent that's it mate but you know carrying on with the with the uni footy there um we can't miss out you know representing england with the um uh with the uni how, how did that come about because i can imagine that's some like a pretty ridiculous standard that yeah it's like i say so you go for try you get put forward by your manager so at the time i got put forward and a few of the lads um and then you trial for the England North. So anything, all the Northern universities, you have to make the 16, I think it was 18 at the time. You had to make a squad of 18. Um, so after the first trial, I was fortunate enough to represent England North. Um, and then all the Southern sort of universities do the same. And then the squad of 16 from the North played a squad of 16 from the South. And then that's how they made basically the, the official sort of team. And, I was just sort of successful, played really well, and I think because I'm quite a vocal and I was sort of a confident person, I can like say, like to talk to a brick wall if you put me in an empty room, do you know what I mean? I'm one of those people, but it just sort of happened, and then okay, the fixtures that we played, the first, I think the home nations runs every two years, so sort of the first and um, the first year was sort of like a prelim, so you just play a load of friendlies, so we played like United 23s. Um, absolute joke but we played Scotland in Northumbria in a friendly I think we got beat off them 1-0 but to be fair that was the first time all the lads had met each other so you've got lads coming from Northumbria you've got lads coming from down south you've got lads coming from sort of Manchester area Liverpool area everywhere you can think of so and obviously it's hard because no one knows each other's game and no one knew who each other was but it's not ideal when you're turning up at Carrington United 23s and you've played one game with each other and you're thinking what are we doing here? And like I say, I I was playing centre half. I was fortunate enough to captain. I got I got a phone call saying, "Look, we want you to be the captain of it." And it was a massive privilege. I, some of the lads give me a bit of stick, saying like, "Oh, it's England unis and stuff," but um, they always turn around and say, "You know what? It's probably an experience." And for me, the chance to play at Carrington against United 23s might never come around again. And Tafe Chong, Angel Gomez, and Greenwood in a starting front three, and I'm thinking. I've been out on the ale last week before this game. <laughs> I've just trying to, I'm trying to do sort of uni work yesterday, sat in my room, and now I've got to mark three of the best young lads that United have gotten. It's just an experience. I mean, they took a piss, do you know what I mean? They get the ball in the 18-yard box, they do a cry turn, pass it back to the halfway line. You're just chasing shadows around, but I can't. I think in the first year we got beat, I think it was 4-1. might have been 4-1, I can't actually remember. Um, 
but then the year after we had the whole nations which was being held in wales so um i was fortunate enough that i went straight into the squad based on the performances that i had last year and he said what he wanted me to captain it again um so we played united we played bournemouth i tell you what bournemouth is a journey as well that was about a six hour drive um <laughs> we got beat off then played united again um and then we played it was me us wales and scotland um so we played scotland wales played scotland and drew one all i think it was then wales obviously because they were hosting they give themselves the day rest we played scotland the day after and beat them five nil it was weird we just absolutely battered them it was we was on a different scale compared to any of them and some of the lads in our team we had um there's a couple of lads to mention. Seydou and Ibi both play for Maidstone. Seydou's just, he's had interest from football league. He could easily go higher. Um, everyone in that team sort of played at a decent level of football or had played at a sort of decent level. So, as you can imagine, the standard was the amount of people that play university football. Um, I think that, I can't think, obviously there's thousands and thousands of people because some unis have six or seven teams. So, yeah, we beat Scotland 5-0. Um, we were staying in like a travel lodge so it was dead professional we had like hydration tests in the morning recovery sessions after the game um, obviously all the hotel and things that were paid for we had um, yoga sessions with all the coaches the setup was just as it was like being a full-time footballer so for me I loved it because it was the first bit of being an adult sort of that experience and we played Wales and we only had to draw against Wales to win the tournament wasn't like the uh, first time in a, a, like fifty, something like twelve years or something that you yeah, of, that England had won it. The first time England unis have won it, so obviously the pressure was on us to win. Um, Wales scored in like the eighty-eighth minute, and I don't think I've ever been as gutted in my life. Like when people say your heart sinks and you sit there and you contemplate all the hard work you've put in. So it was a bit bizarre, and then we got a free kick on the halfway line. Um, and lads, the only way I can describe it is remember when Ronaldinho dipped semen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Piled into the box, and our number 10, Matty Cornish, you'll love me for saying this. He's tried putting a ball in the box, overhit it, and it's gone right into the stanch. And I'm talking the, the, the feeling that when that ball at the back of the net, every I didn't even score, and I think my shorts were off. I had no time. <laughs> I'm running around Cardiff City's training ground where the game was, absolutely celebrating. Um, <laughs> and then we got back to the hotel, to be fair. And obviously the changing room the changing room was an absolute joke. Um, there was bottles of port, there was bottles of wine. I don't know where they came from. I think somebody <laughs> had won it before we turned up. I was thinking, what the heck's going on here? But uh, got back to the hotel and I sort of, said to the lads, right, who's staying? Let's have a night out in Cardiff to celebrate because there was conversation about it the night before. City played Tottenham, remember, in that bizarre game where it was like 5 all or something daft like that? Yeah, yeah, Champions yeah. League or something, was it? Yeah. Was it all... I sort of said, look, lads, if we win tomorrow, who's staying? And a few people were like, yeah, yeah. Um, a few of the London lads couldn't get a train back the day after, but ended up just being the three of us. Uh, one lad from Bedfordshire, one lad from Leeds, uh, Matty, Matty, uh, Matty Broadley, and Lewis Burgess. So we booked a hotel room, um, got a discount because we'd already been there for two days. Uh, <laughs> sort of just said to the people on the deck, there was two girls that were sort of like looked after us while we were there. Just sort of said, where's well, decent for a night out? 
were like, oh, go in. It was like, it was a bit weird. It was like a house, but Weatherspoons. And the darts had been on, the darts had been on in Cardiff, but we didn't have a clue. Must have sank about eight or nine pints of Stella, still sat in my shirt and tie in the bar. Put my jeans on, we got in a taxi and just had carnage, the three of us, me and Matty the lad. He drove to mine. Um, he drove to mine. So he, his car was at mine. So we got the train back to Manchester from Cardiff the day after. I don't think we spoke a word to each other. I, I don't get hangovers, me. I've got a pain. Adam and Crossy and the other lads, they hate me for it because I'll wake up fresh as a daisy. Be like, yeah, where are we going? What's going on? I don't think he said a word to me, the kid, to be fair. And you can imagine me trying to start a conversation for four hours on a train back to Manchester. But it was just a shame, really, that the year after, obviously this year, just gone while I was doing my teaching degree, I sort of clinged on to playing uni footy. Um, but it got cancelled. But I still speak to the managers. Um, there is sort of talks with the manager himself about me taking on some sort of coaching role and getting involved and remaining to get involved with it. And like I say, with my job being a sports tutor, at, um, working with the scholars and the community kids at Sheffield United, I think the experience I have playing and with sort of the education side anyway, um, it'd be something I really want to do. I, I said as well, if there's any way I can stay involved, I'd love to. So, like I said, the, the, that celebration was just, it was frightening. I got given a bit of, Wales were sort of trying to time waste. They were throwing bottles on the pitch and, um, they were sort of kicking balls on to waste time because obviously they, you don't realise how much people want to win it um, when we scored I don't know why it just came over me I sort of remember when Suarez dived in front of David Moyes <laughs> yeah imagine a lad in a pair of Under Armour shorts his shorts halfway around his ankle his top off big airy chest <laughs> one lad trying to volley a ball at me someone was offering me out uh, <laughs> but like I say the feeling when that goal went in, it was, um, and the experiences we had. Again, it's some, the lads we still keep in touch, and it's nice to see that some of them are making successful careers out of footy and the jobs they wanted to go into. Well, that's it, mate. I mean, that's 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 fucking that's pretty fantastic. That do you know what I mean? Representing your country at, at any level, and especially uni level, which is which is like you say a massive a massive standard. Um, and you mentioned just then. Young though. <laughs> Still have Honestly, I remember volleying him, and he just turned around and went, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Look, you're an under twenty-three, nearly playing in the first team." I said, "How do you expect me to get near you?" And I just volleyed him on the floor. <laughs> he took it well, to be fair. He sort of just turned around and went, "At least you were honest about it." And I was just a bit like, "It's the only way I could." Honestly, it's the only time I touched him in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you mentioned just then, Tongi, about your yeah you you're lucky enough to have. Um... To stay in football with the job that you're doing, um, just talk to us about just you know how you got into Sheffield United, um, doing the role that you're doing with the scholars and the community work and that. Yeah, so I um, finished my teaching degree last year, and then sort of it was at the time obviously COVID was hitting, so it was about applying for jobs. You know, um, being a PE teacher and things like that, it's, jobs come are hard to come about, and especially during COVID, there weren't many knocking around. Um, saw the job at Sheffield United and it was sort of working with the education program where we get the kids from Sheffield College and they represent Sheffield United. Um, they train every day and they do the BTEC like sport course. But I also got given off the boss the um, sort of ownership of working with the scholars. So with COVID and things like that and the, some of the scholars train with the first team, I've not really been able to see them because obviously with, all, uh, with COVID, and online teaching and things like that, it can be difficult, but 
like I say, they played today. I think they played today and they beat Hull today. I think four two. A few of my lads scored. Um, a few of them have been given pro deals. One of them's represented Tunisia under twenty threes. Um, and just the whole sort of elite experience. My brother's full time coach at City, so I've been a few times there and seen him coach. And like I say, some some of the kids from an early age, from like say my brother, some of the kids he's got under elevens, under twelves, and. You just have a look at the kids when they train, and I've been down. I go down to watch them train when we were sort of in classroom, and it's just a joke. Sort of the standard they're at. We've had a we had two lads on loan this year at Hyde United um, from Sheffield United. Illy was on that Rising Ballers. I don't know if you've ever heard of that on Instagram. Yeah, I'm onto them on YouTube, Rising Ballers. Yeah. Illy came from that, signed for Sheffield United, and again he was just an absolute. Um, he was just an absolute joke. His feet, his footwork. He he put me on the arse in the first training session. Into <laughs> and things like that. It's just nice because I enjoy football, but I've always had to be some sort of PE teacher. So being able to be involved in a football environment, delivering sort of these lads their qualification because they're at a stage now, and I think it's progressed even more where not all these lads are going to make it as pros, and they need that qualification and they need that sort of those grades for something to fall back on whether it's going into uni or going into an apprenticeship whatever it might be mm. they'll re- won't regret by having that qualification come the end of it and I think it's more predominant these days than it was years ago and I think it still probably more, needs pushing more just because of um, the importance like say football's a short career it doesn't you can't just live off football for the rest of your life and you need that backup plan and the qualification that I deliver sort of is the foundation for that for when they do finish football but fingers crossed most of them go on to have sort of successful careers in football well yeah it's fucking fucking brilliant mate sounds 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 pretty impressive that especially with a club of that size but what we'll have to do Tungy we'll have to have another little short break and then we'll get down to the um, the, the real business with the pint mate if that's alright you know what I've had an absolute stinker as well <laughs> said to me old man leave me a couple of bottles of beer he's like yeah yeah you drank them on here and at Christmas, I had some Candom's Pale Ale. And I don't oh. mind it, to be fair. And I've got a can of staring at me, thinking. <laughs> all right, you're enjoying a pint with the lads, innit? But being asked to neck it on camera first off. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll have a, we'll a, we'll a two-minute break, mate, and then we'll get back into it, all right? Sweet, mate. No bother. See you Go in a on, minute. nice one. See you in a minute. Right, so we're back with, we're back with part three. Um, we've just got some questions, and then... The most important part of Tungi's career, how if he can get to the top of the passing group pint leaderboard. Um, so, there's <laughs> actually been a there's actually been a new record since yeah since um, we we last did it as well. So you you might you won't be seeing that yet. We haven't put it out. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Con's going to start. Uh, Con's going to get us started with a few questions. Yeah, so they're just a bit quick, sort of quick fire just, um, questions. Uh, you're asked. So the first one here is obviously you mentioned that you played with decent amount, decent level of players um, during your career so far. Who would you say is the best player you've played with? Um, oh, probably looking back on how successful they've been, um, David Brooks, uh, yeah. Brooks City, yeah. Brandon Barker, gone to Rangers, mm. um, Kian Bryan, Sheffield United, um, Brian Kent, Brian Raz was. One of the lads who played with at Liverpool, he's obviously at Rangers now doing really well. 
Um, like ben, there's a lad called Ben Barkley was at Brighton. I think he went to he's gone to Accrington. So been fortunate enough to, to play with lads who've gone on to like say Brooksy got released from City. Um, but yeah. he was the first person out of our team to actually go and play in the Premier League. So good list that. Fair news. Yeah, it is. Very good, yeah. Um, so, next one here is um, fan shouts. So, it's the funniest thing you've heard shouted from the side or either direct, directed to you or just in general? To be honest, now that I've got the new Barnet and it being a curly mess, I've had Ivan Campo. <laughs> <laughs> I've, had, I've had Pablo Escobar. <laughs> I've had all sorts. I mean, some of the obviously you get the typical you mank, and I have this sort of habit where when I'm playing football, I have to wet my hair and slick it back. So I've had the uh, I've had greasy hair twat, chip pan, <laughs> uh, chip pan grease looking knob, you name it. I've had, and then these the typical ones like I've shagged your mum, and I'm like, great, nice one, cheers for that. Really, mum's just thinking if she hears that, my mum's the sort of person that just go, you know. Give it a bit back and you're sort of thinking, fucking hell, don't, please tell me she didn't hear it. One <laughs> minute, you just get on with it. Yeah. I always have a laugh about it. It's, um, yeah, Ivan Campo seems to be sticking around recently. But <laughs> I, I take it to be fair. Good luck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Uh, next one is um, dressing room stories. Have you got any in particular dressing room stories or it's the most lively dressing room you've sort of been involved in? To be honest, you. Unifoot is probably the most lively. Um, Hygiene United has been a decent one in terms of like things like practical jokes and stuff. I'm one of them that likes to play a few jokes. Um, we do analysis on a Thursday in like one of the one of the rooms, and I got a load. They brought all the blue chairs are laid out, and I had like loads of little blue safety pins and blended in with the seats. And rather than just sticking it on one, I stuck it on every single seat. Um, Two of the lads sat down and didn't even flinch, and then. One of the lads sat down and um, one of the lads was in late and this lad just went, fucking hell, and like he had a big safety pin stuck in his ass. <laughs> then the lad walking in late must have thought, oh, the practical joke's over. He's abs- And he was rushing because he was late, so the gaffer weren't happy. He slammed himself down onto the seat and another <laughs> safety pin's got into his ass. Um, that is probably one of the funniest. Ad- Adam Hughes is another funny one in the dressing room when he was on John Moore's. He got himself worked up because um, we were playing shit. He forgot how to breathe. He started shouting. And then he tried walking out of the changing rooms, but actually walked into the showers by accident. <laughs> and sort of in the corner in the showers while the assistant talked to us. <laughs> He's, um, he sort of just creeped his head back around about two minutes later after he'd stopped turning purple. Um been quite a few to be fair. There's that many that you, the marine coach setting on fire. That's probably another good footy one, good laugh one. On the way on to fire. Hensford. Yeah, we was on the way to Hensford and um <laughs> all sat at the back of the coach and one of the lads went, Fucking hell, driver, come turn the heat down. And one of the lads looked at the back of the coach and the coach was on and I mean like pure flames. I'm not just talking like a bit of like over like overheated. Stopped in the middle of this housing estate, and there's a video on Twitter knocking around somewhere with this fella, like with nothing on, going, Mom, there's a coach on fire, and all this. And <laughs> didn't really, no one really realized at first. And then, obviously, on a coach, you sort of have that emergency exit halfway down, and the smoke started coming into the sort of um, onto the coach. And we've got a few of the elderly committee, but the fire exit door went open, 
um, Giovanni Mendes, who's at Marine, the assistant, uh, the assistant uh, second choice keeper. I've never seen a man jump over seats and jump over elbows, <laughs> barging people out the way the lot. He's got the physio under the hatch of the coach, trying to get all his gear off. And it was the, <laughs> actually found out it was the petrol tank that was on fire at the back of the coach. Fucking so, hell. Still, hell. I swear, and it was something like we're still on flames when we left. But the funny thing was, we had to walk the rest of the way to the ground. So we've got <laughs> everyone's got bags, we've got all the physio gear, the bags, the balls, the cones. And we're walking down the side of this dual carriageway to Hensford. Even. <laughs> <laughs> And then we had to wait for a coach to come and pick us up for the um, on the way back. But yeah, like I say, it was just a bit like not what you expect on the way. One of the Jamal Mendes hopping himself over committee members who are sixty years old trying to get off a coach. <laughs> love the way you've you love the way you've given that as an answer for one of the best laps you've had. You just look back at it and think it didn't happen. That and you, then you think. Now what happens if it would have blew up? Do you know what I mean? You look at the thing, back of the coach, because obviously like everything was and then you've got the physio who's under the hatch throwing everyone's bags off into the middle of this housing estate. And everyone's took the bags off. I, I want to be alive, mate. In case it blew up, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, and then the other one was, but you might that might that might as well be it. To be fair, the um, the funniest thing you've saw in football in general, either on the pitch or in the dressing room, or would you say that was it? Honestly, that the one with Adam as well. The fact he was going purple and red in his face, <laughs> and then he tried storming out and making a scene, and he actually walked into the showers, and everyone was just wondering why he was around the corner. And uh, like, if it was your proper gaffer, then you wouldn't say anything. But with it being at uni. We got the pistol cap in for a few weeks. Probably, yeah, that the coach setting on fire for Marine. I know it's serious, but it's a good. It was a good laugh when <laughs> we look back on it and some yeah. of the videos that were going around of people on the housing estate and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's that's fucking that's fucking brilliant. That now, is there any more questions yeah. there, Connor? We all uh, we all done on the question. Um, no, that's it. Just just yeah, just the most important one now. Yeah. Yeah, so just the most important one now for you, Tungi, uh, is the um, the downing of the uh, the down of the pipe mace. Uh, now we won't we won't tell you the the, the official record time now, but um, yeah, you, you we'll, uh, we'll we'll let you know once it's uh, once you've sunk it. I say I've got myself a lovely three hundred and fifty mil Camden Pale Ale because my old man <laughs> decided to drink the last few of the beers. So we the FC because I probably picked the heaviest drink you could think of, but um, yeah, we might as well get it out of the way, aren't we? Go on, mate. Yeah, right. You give us you yeah, give us the right, countdown. One second. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. We'll so be, yeah, give us give us a three, two, one, and uh, and start drinking, and we'll start. The... Anyway, I don't want the connection to go, and I have to do another one. Right, there you go. That should be that should be sound. I think we're all ready, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Here we go. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, no way. Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's <laughs> what have we got then, lads? I've got I've got four four seconds. Get in! <laughs> 4.06 seconds I've got. 
I have, off? yeah, I have, I have foot. Well, it's there as well. Adam will be giving it the big one. Ah, oh, I did a pint, you know. I, no, don't count. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking brilliant, yeah. mate. I think, uh, I think we could potentially. Yeah, well, well in what, fact, there's no yeah. highs in it. We've uh, that is the lead, that is the uh, the. Uh, the, the top of the leaderboard, I, I think. I could take some beat in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get myself a quad rod and get myself in an Uber to Woody's now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, mate. That has been uh, that has been absolutely fantastic. We'll um, we'll end it there, mate, on an absolute high. But I really appreciate you coming on. That has been a uh, been a good laugh, that mate. Thank you very much. I've yeah, it's been, been great. I've never been a drink again, lads, just to let you know. That is me hanging my boots up at necking a pint. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, been an absolute top laugh, you know, uh, thinking about some of those stories and sharing it. So, absolutely class what you lads do. So, Nice one, mate. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been great. Listen to it. <laughs> well, the next time you're up in next time you're up in Liverpool, mate, we'll uh, we'll all go for the pint or something, all right? Day session McCoolies is absolutely calling my name and all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll so <laughs> we'll end, we'll end it there then, lads. If you want to stop, so we'll stop the recording. But thank you very much. Hope everyone's enjoyed listening. And uh, yeah, we've been passing groove with Liam Tong. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. Well that was Passing Groove Many thanks to everyone who has listened If you got this far We'll be back weekly with more episodes In the meantime you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram All the links will be in the description Feel free to message us with any feedback or comments Again, many thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Cheers.